here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. <laughs> Welcome to Cinescapes Flicks of the Week. Really? <laughs> I am Joe Spiegel. Mike Sutherland. Hey, what you doing? This. Why are you still on Double Dragon? You got to get no, off that shit. Just man. keep going. All right. So this week we're going to talk about our Flicks of the Week. Mine is going to be the 2007 film... Chasing Ghosts Beyond the Arcade, which is based on uh, the 80s arcade craze <laughs> of the 80s. <laughs> and uh, Mike, Good yours one. is going to be? Dragnet. Oh, shit. 1987? Mm-hmm. All right. All right. I, I, my opinion, a truly underrated comedy. Virgin Connie Swale. And, oh, yeah, exactly. And also, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a very, very good adaptation. Or what do you call? It? Isn't it? Yeah, I mean, adaptation of a of a TV show, a popular TV show. Correct, Dragnet. So yeah, uh, that and uh, we got uh, the Alien Covenant trailer came out, which was very interesting. Yes, and also the death of Carrie Fisher. Correct, which all happened today as well. So um, all that and more and whatever the fuck else, man, on flicks of the week. Let's do it, <coughs> Pedro. <laughs> Pedro. Both for Pedro. Okay, so uh, first up, mine, uh, my flick of the week is yeah, it's the the 2007 film called Beyond the Arcade or Chasing Ghosts Beyond the Arcade. Um, it is uh, it's very similar to another documentary that I have not seen, which is also more popular, called The King of Kong: A Fistful of Quarters, which uh, I believe it focuses more on um, the more popular of the. Uh, video game legends like uh, Billy Mitchell and, and such. But Billy Mitchell does show up <laughs> in this game or in this movie, this documentary. Um, the the uh, the whole thing takes place in, uh, you, they use footage from the 1980s and they also use, uh, you know, up to date at the time of when this was made. 2007. Um, yeah, interviews with uh, these people who were kids back in the 80s. And you had kids from all around the uh, United States who would go to the quote-unquote video game uh, capital of the, of the world, which was at the uh, Twin Galaxies in Ottumwa, Iowa, which is funny that it just out of all the places that could become, you know, the epicenter of arcade gameplay would be there because uh, from what people say in the movie itself is that when you get there, there's nothing in that. In the 80s, there was nothing there. Still is. Yeah, so the fact that the, this was the... You know the epicenter of of video games at the time was it just was odd, but whatever. Yeah, it's cool for them. I'm glad they got their mark on something. But uh, it was uh, created by uh, Walter Day, who he's an odd fellow. He he's not one of those people that gives a shit what you think. He just goes out and lives life, man. He's like a Zen master to the fucking tenth power. He just does tries all these different things and and just improves on his life and his experiences and everything. Transcendental meditation. There you go. And <coughs> this guy, um, he just, uh, he, he pretty much started this all up with, he's the one who got um, Guinness to start recognizing video game scores, the Guinness Book of World Records, and also um, started the International Scoreboard for video games. And before he sold the rights to it a few years ago, um, he was the head of, uh, of the scorekeeping 
for all video games around, you know, for around the world. And that's a pretty cool thing to have, you know, if you've had that for, you know, that title for almost 30 years. I mean, that's that's just something that's that's fucking cool. Yeah. But anyway, um the documentary is well done where it does good flashbacks to actual footage, news articles and and such and radio hell I think it even has radio excerpts of um of things that happened at the time where you had all these kids that would go back to uh go to these arcades and they would just keep shelling out quarters and quarters and quarters for these for these games and you'd have kids that became professionals at it. They literally became so good at what they were doing that they could play for hours and hours on one single quarter and they could get people to just surround them like they were the king of their own little world, right? Or the quote unquote king of Kong, right? And it's it blows my mind that uh, how popular arcades arcades were in the 80s of how quickly they dropped off. Like they didn't completely disappear or anything, but their popularity, how quickly they rose and then how quickly it just it like fell to this level where it wasn't a big deal anymore. It happened fast. Yeah. And it was five years. Yeah. You know, and that, that kind of sucks because the nostalgic part of me, I remember I, I used to love going to the arcades, you know, and, and just, Mom, can I have another quarter? Blah, Dude, blah, there's blah. fucking rules for for these things, like yeah. for scoring and whatnot. Yeah. You can you can submit a score to Twin Galaxies. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, it's fine. Go ahead. You can evidence package. There's a thing called leeching. Leeching is also referred to as hunting and point scrabbing by both Twin Galaxies and members of the gaming. Of the gaming. No. Uh-huh. I don't know where that was heading to, but apparently of the gaming is the final be-all, end-all. <coughs> it is defined a means by which a player accumulates additional points in-game while engaging in activities that do not contribute to progressing to the next stage or level or screen, meaning such as you're just gaining points going back and forth. Like in Donkey Kong, you're just jumping over barrels yeah. without progressing up. <coughs> Uh, player is not inhibited to progressing to the next stage, screen, or level during commission of set activities. In general, a player should always be making a meaningful, mean, meaningful, meaningful, or conservative attempt towards progression with the generally accepted intended spirit and direction of the game. Uh, there are guidelines. I'm not even going to read that. This is specific exceptions. That's not activities that can get you banned for life. Yeah. I just want to read activities that can get you banned for life. While Twin Galaxies will be as fair and even-handed as possible in areas of policy violation, there are some things that will not be tolerated, and if a user is found to be taking part in any of the activities below, they will be banned. Blah, blah, blah. Agenda-based collusion that attempts to manipulate a submission vote outcome. (coughs) Meaning you go and talk to somebody and say, vote for me. Yeah. False user accounts. Deliberate cheating. Submitting a video performance that is not your own. Submitting a video performance that contains copyrighted music or other material. Okay. Technically, every video you submit that has a video game in it is copyrighted material or music. So that's fucking stupid. I think it's only if it's what takes place in the video game itself. There have been numerous systems put into place for the above items. If you are identified as having violated any of the above concerns, it may result in the end of your participation on the scoreboard forever. Forever. Please be mindful of this. While we understand that a lifetime ban can be pretty harsh, we feel that this position is necessary to take, to build, and maintain the community confidence in the scoreboard during the er- this new era of Twin Galaxies. 
I hey, look, you know, cheating is cheating. That's fine. Yeah. But the whole copyright thing is just absurd. We understand. Look, don't put like if you're playing, you can't have Iron Maiden's "The Phantom of the Opera," and I bring that up specific specifically because we had to take down something of ours that, well, like a podcast. I had to redo a podcast of ours. Yeah. Because of that. <laughs> yeah. You. Know, it's amazing though. Uh, the Twin Galaxies <laughs> arcade shut down in 1984, I believe. Um, when when something is is at the top of everything in its field, you. That, especially in the town where they were so proud of the fact that they were considered the video game capital capital of the world, for it to shut down that quickly. that, that, that I don't consider Twin Galaxies to be the video game capital of the world, though. Well, it's... They the self, video game capital of the world technically would be Sunnyvale, California. They self-proclaimed it, and then their, even their governor of the state of Iowa proclaimed it back in the 80s. So I'm basing it off of that. Okay, but still, at the time of, of you know, w- when they were having video game tournaments back in the 80s with, with you know, Billy Mitchell, who was the, the king of Pac-Man and stuff like that, um, when they had these tournaments, it started off happening at the Twin Galaxies. And so <laughs> that was considered that's where you go to, to participate. It's like the Las Vegas for boxers, right? You know, that's where you go. And, I mean, they, they even... Uh, had a where they had all the best gamers of certain consoles. They had all the games out in the street with the uh, local cheerleaders and these kids standing in front of the, you know, standing on top of the games or b- right behind the games. And they had a, a cover shot for, uh, I think it was Time Life magazine. And they were at the top, they, I mean, the top of popularity and everything at the time. And they even, uh, they even started a, uh, a, a world, or a, a, what was it, a, a countrywide tour where they're going to have these video game um, champions travel around the country into other big cities and have tournaments <laughs> against fans right. who would show up. Well, they only did one. <laughs> it, it was it was a flop. It, it was just it was like it had hit this this plateau and then it it just I don't know it it just died really quickly after that. I think it was the home consoles that started really killing it. Or is that what you think? did it or or they just tried to explode it just exploded too quickly and it just collapsed uh, because of it. I don't it it became a point where like my our generation mm-hmm. just got bored with video games at least until the PlayStation came out. Yeah. And Nintendo and everything else. So look, at that point in time 84 most of us were 13, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> and by 88 most of us were 17. Yeah. Graduating high school, going to college. So that whole generation of people right there basically walked away from entertainment, home entertainment stuff, yeah. to go live life. Yeah, because and that that that's um that is uh, talked about in this documentary, which is that these guys at first they felt like they were living the dream, right, and that they would get to play video games for the rest of their lives and get paid for it and everything. Because right. also by them being champions. That's what they were being told by by all these um, aficionados and everything, right? Right. That this was what was going to happen. Well, once that touring thing completely failed, everything else started falling apart too. And they realized that, guess what? We're going to have to become adults and we're going to have to just get jobs like everyone else. Right. And, you know, move on. And then that's what happened with these guys. Um, some of these guys, I mean, they had some really cool stories. Uh, you know, one guy had this uh, competition with another guy about um, having their top score on a, on a certain game. And <laughs> this fucker comes in to 
this fucker comes in on this guy's date with a girl just to tell him in front of the girl that he beat his score. And he said, biggest faux pas of all time, fuck you. And there was this 20-year grudge between them. And so the documentary has it where the guy actually finally comes there to apologize about doing that. And then they become great best friends again and shit, right? Um, I don't know how, you know, if any of that was fabricated or not, but it's just funny. It was funny to add into the whole video game lore of, of, of these people and their high scores and how seriously they take it and how, and it also showed tricks that they would use to be able to get high scores more easily, like how they would put a pencil between two uh, buttons and they could keep flicking it like this so they could hit the buttons quicker uh-huh. and and little tricks like that. So they keep, Yeah, they, they, they do it like this. Yeah. Use their middle finger or whatever. Yeah. And then they, they, or they would like get a piece of tape and yeah, it was, they had all these weird different little things that they would do. And it, it was, all that stuff was cool and, and just see how competitive these guys were with each other. And, and the fact that they even had groupies, <laughs> these fucking little teenage boys had video game groupies that would come around and, and just flirt with them all the time and all this shit. And this one dude who was, Let me uh, touch your who was uglier and shit, but had, and he had the, the, the peach fuzz mustache. Yeah. Fuck it, he had a. There was this one shot where he had this huge hickey on his neck, right? Like he was it he, from a fat chick. I don't know, but he was like the only She's guy trying was, to eat his neck. She thought it was a chicken wing. Something, <laughs> something, man. And, yes, I just had a fat shaming joke. Come on, <laughs> but he was like the only dude that seemed to be getting any kind of action. Um, but then there was other times where they 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 became so popular that they were like the the high school quarterbacks <laughs> of the video game world, right? You know? Where everyone loved them, and they had their moment in the sun, and then uh, you know reality set it set in, and they said, "Okay, go back to work." So anyway, um, chasing ghosts is a very interesting documentary. It's fun, especially for people that grew up in that time period, just to see how some people devoted their lives. You know, you think that you spent a lot of time in the arcade? No, these guys fucking lived in the arcade, man. Oh and, yeah, you know, like they they made camping outside of shit like happened way before this this black friday bullshit so um anyway if you get a chance check out chasing ghosts uh, beyond the arcade i saw it on hulu um i think it's still going to be on hulu for a little bit but it's, uh, well, you know what actually from the date of this episode which is i believe uh, december 27th it's on for four more days so you might not even get a chance to see it but i think it's on youtube so there right. you go so the guy that bought Twin Galaxies from Walter Day, his name is Jace Hall. Yeah. Jace Hall is an American film, television, and video game producer. He's been known for being founder and chief executive officer of Monolith Productions. Uh, Monolith Productions came out with a bunch of cool games. Uh, Blood, No One Lives Forever, Fear, and uh, most recently Middle Earth, Shadow of Mordor. Ooh. No One Lives Forever, the series, is really, really popular. Um, it's kind of like a spy series set in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they used a Shogo Mobile Armor Division, which I played. came out in 1988, um, plus a whole bunch of other, you know, Blood Claw, Rage of Mages, Get Medieval, Shogo, Blood to the Chosen, which is fun, Grunts, Rage of Mages, Septera Corps, TNN Outdoor Pro Hunter, Gorky 17, Sanity, uh, The Operative, No One Lives Forever, Texatomics, Big Bot Battles. Uh, no One Lives Forever 2, A Spy in Harm's Way, Contract, Jack, and Tron 2.0. Uh, plus, they have they did a Matrix Online, Fear 2, Gotham City, Imposters, Guardians of Middle Earth, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but the most popular ones were No One Lives Forever, Texatomics, Big Bot Battle. I don't know if that was really a popular game, but um, 
the operative no one lives forever and no one lives forever part two super super popular uh which is set in the 60s um it's a spy film players control uh female uh protagonist kate archer who works for a secret organization that watches over world peace etc um <laughs> It it was a super cool game, um, as you can see here. Well, you can't see it, but Joe can see it. Yes, the video games and gadgets. Uh, it's kind of like it's like anal probes. Yeah, you know, not lipstick, lipstick. Look like butt plugs. They're, they look like dog penises. Butt plug, spark plug. So, anyways, that is where he comes from. So, Jace Hall t- has taken over Twin Galaxies, and. Uh, he is overseeing it, and they've moved headquarters from Iowa to Banning, California. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Anyways, um, if you have never played uh, Shogo or Blood or Blood 2, The Chosen, or even uh, No One Lives Forever, you should try them. Um, most everybody's tried The Matrix Online, but that died out real quick. So, anyways, that's it. All right. Shit. Okay, so uh dun, 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 dun. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. So my review is Dragnet. Stars Dan Aykroyd and Tom Hanks and Christopher Plummer. <laughs> Aykroyd plays Sergeant And uh, and uh, who else was in it? Who else? Come on. Let man. me finish. So it's Dan Aykroyd, Tom Hanks. Aykroyd plays Sergeant Joe Friday, Tom Hanks plays Detectives Pep Streback. <laughs> um, Pep. The equally straight-laced and by the book nephew of Joe Friday must work with his more laid-back partner to solve a mystery. Uh, it also stars Dabney Coleman <laughs> as Jerry Caesar. Jerry Caesar. When you go on polishing your pennies. Yeah. Reverend, you have bells as big as balls go as big my, as Put my magazine bells. back on the stand where they belong. <laughs> <laughs> this movie... <laughs> I watched this movie over the over the weekend, and I have to say that I really liked it. Yeah. I forget how fucking funny this movie is. Yes. Dabney Coleman and Christopher Plummer. Christopher Plummer plays this <laughs> straight-laced morality crusader. Yeah. This, the, the Reverend. Um, hold on a second. Uh, Reverend Worley. Okay? Yeah. And basically what he's doing is he's trying to get all the shit off the streets. Yeah. You know, and he's using fear tactics fear tactics to do it. Turns out that what he's doing is he's basically his cult. Yeah. His cult of whatever, his pagan cult is Yeah, people against goodness and normalcy. Yeah, people against goodness and normalcy. <laughs> Cuz there's a big fucking pamphlet about it. Yeah. Like a professionally made pamphlet. Like they couldn't just go to, you know, fucking wherever. Yeah. Kinko's, right? They could just go over to Kinko's and say, where is this coming from? Who brought this in? Yeah. But no, they didn't. They had to go on this whole entire thing. They like, may have a manifest, though. Yeah. <laughs> you can read it yourself. <laughs> you know? And was, uh, there was a ton of Playmates that they hired to uh, play as background extras. Oh, thank God. Vibrator repair? <laughs> no, ma'am. That's April. It's the police. Miss April. Sorry. Yes, I am quite aware of, <laughs> uh, quite aware of her. But his, Aykroyd's portrayal. Thank you. I don't know if it's portrayal. A- the way that Aykroyd is able to rifle off 
those lines yeah. as fast as he could, uh-huh. just like Joe Friday. Because like I I what I I stepped away from it. Yeah, and then I came and sat down and I was working on something, and I heard him just spit out this dialogue, and I'm sitting there and I was listening to it, like when he's reading code. Yeah, police code. I was listening to it, and I'm like, that sounds like uh, the guy that played the original Joe Friday. Yeah, who unfortunately, yeah, I, he died before the movie was I made. Can't fucking remember his name. Doesn't matter. I should know the. I should know his goddamn name, Jack Webb, and the way. I mean, his look, his demeanor, everything is the way that Jack Webb was in the series. Of yeah. course, they had Harry Morgan, who also just died. Yeah, and uh, he plays, I mean, in a way, this is a continuation, right? Because it's, it's, he plays his nephew. Uh, plays, grandson. He plays Joe, I believe he plays Joe Friday's nephew. Because there's a part where uh, Harry Harry Morgan says to him, uh, I don't think your uncle would have approved yeah, this. Yeah, So. And then you have Tom Hanks, who plays Pep Strebeck, who is more of a gray area cop. You know, he he's a fun boy. Yeah, he 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 enjoys life. Yeah, to the maximum. He he goes to strip clubs and all this other stuff. He's full of pep. Yeah. So thanks for that. (laughs) And then you have Christopher Plummer, like I said, who plays you know the straight laced morality crusader. And then you have Dabney Coleman, who they're in collusion with each other to basically split the city down the middle so that Dabney Coleman's magazines sell more. You know, he's got right now he's got, quote-unquote, $4 million in, in circulation. Bait. That was the name of it, with Bait. Bait, bait Magazine. Yeah. And you have Christopher Plummer's character who is hoping that his magazine will drive people to go to church to pray for their sins, you know, so that they'll make money hand over fist. Yeah. You know, with their, but in the in the midst of this, which really this this bugged me. <laughs> so they take it's not they. Dan Aykroyd or Joe Friday takes his grandmother out to dinner at the Brown Derby. Yeah. And he's and, and he's met there by Tom Hanks and the Virgin Connie Swale. Yes. And as they're sitting there, the Virgin Connie Swale points out because she is she is a uh uh a suspect not a suspect, she's a, a victim. Yeah, if you want to call it that of a crime. So as she's sitting there eating, she points out the person that enacted the crime on her. The voice. That, she goes, yeah. The voice. No, she, she pointed him out. She goes, that's him. I recognize him from, you know, when I was abducted. Right. So not only did she profile the criminal, uh-huh. she pointed him out. She is in, in, she's sitting with two cops. Yeah. And, of course, you know, he gets away scot-free because, you know, Harry Morgan, who is now the chief of police, yeah. tells him, you know, well, you're wrong. But the whole thing is, and I understand movie, but the whole thing is is that if, you have a vic- if you're a victim of a crime yeah. and you point out somebody as the person that had perpetrated that crime on you and you say, that's the person, yeah. I'm 110% sure that's the fucking person, and I'm with two cops, and their job is to arrest that person and then do an investigation not to let that person go, let's face it, that's where the movie fails. <coughs> I, I can give it leeway because it's a comedy and also- No, I can't give it leeway. Because it's all about um, status, and since he's a big public figure, they can always get away with everything. That's not true. They well, would be arrested. Let me devil's advocate this for you. 
the was it, you, you it, can't devil advocate anything. She pointed out the person that enacted the crime on her. Yeah, but the commissioner, the lady who runs everything, she was there and she was in his pocket. It doesn't matter. The victim of a crime who was brought to the police station to look at photographic evidence pointed out a victim of a well-known crime who she was abducted and not only did they do no research whatsoever on the crime scene and pull out any of the chemicals that were supposedly left behind from where the snake pit was, yeah, <laughs> they would have found scales and formaldehyde or the formula and whatever else, and they could have traced all that shit back. But that's besides the point. Bad police work. Yeah, She went into the police station. The chief of police knew she went into the police station because he is directly, indirectly, but directly related to Dan Aykroyd's character, mm-hmm. and he had to write a report about it. The Virgin Connie Swale was abducted this day, this time. We saved her. You have the evidence of the fucking suits that we were wearing when we saved her, plus the mud on the tires from my car, everything else, all this investigation work, and she points out the person that abducted her, literally, and I get fired for it. For her having me do my job. You can't play devil's advocate on that one. Regardless, she pointed him out. Just because he's a fucking, you know, he's got the whatever, he would have been brought to prison. He would have been in jail, regardless of how long he would have been in jail, or at least in the police department, to be profiled, fingerprinted, and then released. Uh, That's right. You have nothing to say about it. No, it just... I mean, it sounds like you're in that that realm of shoulda, <laughs> shoulda. That's what shoulda happened, but yeah, but the movie didn't. The real the reality is this is what should have happened. Yeah, I just but the movie didn't. Yeah, that's I, that's what that's the failure of the movie. I agree. That's what should have happened. It just I, it does. But see, and that's the point. It doesn't lend any credence to the movie. That's the failure of the movie. What they should have done. Is they should have arrested him, and yeah. then and then he could have been out because he's got the mayor in his pocket, and basically given the finger to <laughs> Ackroyd and Strebeck's character. Yeah, and then the mayor or whatever she is makes life hard for them. Yeah, not necessarily taking them off the streets, but they are no longer you know able to investigate this thing. Yeah, I couldn't remember if she was the mayor or the commissioner. I couldn't. Yeah, remember. I think she's a commissioner. But she, whatever, either way, she was the boss. Right. Uh, Kirkpatrick or yeah Jane Kirkpatrick she was the character oh, so Elizabeth, Elizabeth Ashley. Ashley yeah yeah and in the movie she was she was okay but Dabney Coleman takes it away Dabney Coleman steals the entire oh he had movie. fun he had a great time and um, Christopher Plummer was actually really good <laughs> in it from Orange County here we go yep and fucking <laughs> uh um uh, even Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks was wonderful in the movie. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. So. I like, and then I like how they did the role reversal near the end of the movie when finally, <laughs> uh, you know, Friday is like, he's he's got to save the Virgin Connie Swale, right? Right. And so all of a sudden now he's brazen. And now Tom Hanks is scared shitless because he didn't know that his partner could go this far over the line. Right. To save her. And I, you know what? I love this movie. I, I fucking love Dragnet. It was it was funny. I love the the short scene with Kathleen Freeman in it, where she actually calls him a slimy little jizz bucket. Uh huh. I mean, how the fuck do you get oh, away Kathleen with it? Kathleen Freeman was fucking hilarious. Yeah. 
Every time you try to interview her, she's just like, get the fuck out of here, you fucking jerk off. Yeah. Great. Yeah. But just the fact that this is a PG-13 movie. Did I just see another says, Harry Morgan obituary on fucking Facebook in this last week? I don't think I did. I fucking did. Harry, another person posted that Harry Morgan died <laughs> this year. He's been dead for five years. Yeah. Kathleen Freeman was so goddamn funny in this. Oh, she was great. Absolutely great. Yeah, this movie's funny from start <laughs> to finish. I mean, there's some parts that are, you know, they're not as funny as they sh- they could be, you know, like the part with the whole milk thing, the milk factory. Right. Um, you know, but all in all, man, I, I love this movie. I love it. it. It's one of those movies that I would watch with my mom every every year or two. That's funny. You know, especially when it was new. I had it on videotape, and I watched it, like, all the time. So, yeah. Can the beaver come out and for- play? <laughs> Oh, I see. Now, in the movie, when Pep Strebeck sees Connie Swale's house, he mockingly asks, can the beaver come out and play? Yeah. However, in the movie, The Burbs, which came out two years later, this same structure was used as the home of Ray Peterson, who was played by Tom Hanks. Huh. So, the back lot where they were. Yeah. That's the street where The Burbs I'm like, that street looks really familiar. I just can't place it. Yeah. And, of course, it's from The Burbs. There you go. Uh, 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 hold on a second. I want to look up. Uh, Dragnet movie quotes. <laughs> Just because fucking Kathleen Freeman was so memorable. Says who, flathead? That asswipe also stiffed me for two months worth of rent. <laughs> Pep Strebeck, thank God it's Friday. Look out, Muppets. That's when they were chasing animal muzz. Tell you what you can do Friday before you go home and start that pilot and start polishing your pennies. <laughs> Why don't you go out there and get my magazines back and then. On the stands where they belong. On the stand. <laughs> Listen, Achad, I'm going to tell you something right now. I don't care for you or your putrid sludge you're trawling out, but until they change the laws, put your your sleaze kings, put you sleaze kings out of business. My job is to help you get back your stench-ridden boxes of smut, and since then I'll be doing it holding my nose. I'll be doing it with one hand. <laughs> <laughs> jerk off. That was a fucking jerk off joke. He delivers that whole thing, I mean, just perfectly. Damn pagans must be living on no dose. <laughs> <laughs> hey, partner, I tried to call you up till midnight. I didn't know the Christian Science Reading Room stayed open so late. Not that's any of your business, but I spent the evening in the company of Connie Swale. Don't you mean the co- virgin Connie Swale? <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> oh, the Yugo part where they're... <laughs> so, you know, so they keep crashing their car, and then they finally are able to get another car. It's yeah. a Yugo. The first thing that happens is Hanks jumps on the car and... and, and Test suspension. Yeah, test suspension by, you know, rocking it up and down. Yeah. And then they're pulling on the door and they're they're rocking it around and they're slamming on the windows to make sure that everything is okay. Yeah. It's actually pretty funny. Emil Muzz. That's oh, it. God, that I mean. part in the interrogation room where he spits. He hawks that fucking loogie and spits it right onto Ackroyd's face. Ugh. You know, Muzz, you have the right to remain silent. If you give up the right to remain silent, anything you, you know the words, Muzz. Come on, sing along. Anything you do or say can be will be used against you in a court of law. I'm trying to find. Yeah, there was even the um the Friday rap, the Dragnet rap at the end of the movie during yeah. the end credits, which gets worse with every year that goes by. Federally mandated. <laughs> <laughs> the story you're about to see is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. For example, George Baker is now called Sylvia Wiss. <laughs> yeah. it? People against God and goodness and normalcy. God damn it, where is it? Well, what the hell do you want, police officers, ma'am? About time you pencil dick showed up. Why could you have got here before that big, stupid-looking piece of sewage garbage? I'm sorry. Sewage breast stole my white wedding dress. 
Sewage breath, breath is your little nickname for Muzz, Emil Muzz. Not much of an improvement. Sewage breath. My hat was in that car. Oh, yeah. The lines me. Kids, it'll grow back. <laughs> I'm trying to find Where the fuck is it? What, the rest of the uh, Kathleen Freeman down? Yeah. All right. <coughs> Mr. Gingivitis. <laughs> <laughs> for the final touch for our brew tonight, a pristine virgin in the gown of white. Evil bringeth here our plea. She's as pure as she can be. White and clean as driven snow from Orange County. Here we go. <laughs> you already said that. I know, but... Mm. Again, I mean, this movie is fucking funny. I give it a seven out of ten. Oh yeah, I I, I love I love Dragnet Man. It was a, a an underrated adaptation. My right. friend Nick quotes from it all the time. Yeah. All right. So, um, first off, we saw the uh, on Christmas Day we saw the uh, the trailer for Alien Covenant, which is the Prometheus sequel. Um, you saw the trailer. I lifted? I devoured it. Okay. <laughs> I. I made everybody literally. I made everybody be quiet while I watched the trailer. In my opinion, this movie looks like what Prometheus was intended to be originally. That's what the trailer tells me. Yes. Um, uh, from what I've read about the synopsis of it, is that Michael Fassbender's character, who is in it, the the robot, the robot, um, robot, the robot, uh, he is picked up by another ship. And then they travel looking for these, uh, what do they call them? The not, not the creators, but the, uh, the not pilgrims, the architects or something like that. Right. They go searching for them. They go onto a planet, and then alien type stuff starts to happen. Um, now, from what I've read, um, uh, what was it Numi Rapace from from Prometheus, and also Guy Pierce's um, Guy Pierce is supposed to appear in this as well. Um, didn't see them in the trailer, so I don't know how much of the uh, of them are going to be in this movie. But it looks like the movie, like I said, it looks like it captures what the original script for Prometheus was, and also um, it has that look and feel very similar to Cameron's Aliens. Oh, absolutely. So it looks interesting. I mean, you see the chest burster, which looks like it's trying to find a different way out from the back through the spine, which looks cool, and. Uh, the sex scene in the uh, shower, which reminded me- With the me, fucking tail that comes yeah, out? Holy shit. Which reminded me of snakes on a plane for some reason. On a motherfucking plane. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> also, I mean, you the, the return of the facehugger. I mean, well, look, Prometheus had a facehugger in it too, but it was huge. It was like the size of a room, you know? It, it was so big, you could. it was hard to even tell it was a facehugger. <laughs> That's fucked up. That's funny as shit. So anyway, uh, yeah, the, the Alien Covenant's coming out in May. Of next year, of course, and well, which is in you know soon it's going to be. By the time you guys hear this, it'll be made this year, so 2017. All right, um, and I still don't know uh, how Alien Five uh, by Neil Blomkamp is going to look. Is it Neil Blomkamp that's doing Alien Five? Yes. Okay, I couldn't remember if it was him <laughs> or if it was uh, or someone. But anyway, regardless, I'm interested. I'm very interested to see them get back into. You know, making Alien done right. And I don't see Damon Lindelof's name anywhere on this. So that's also a good sign. All right? Yeah. So, uh, of course, this has been a year of many um, celebrities dying. Um, you know, f- icons in the music and, and film industry. Uh, and then one happened today, which was, of course, you know, Princess Leia, Carrie Fisher. Um, you know, passing. Well, they, they announced that she died today, this morning, at like 8.55 in the morning. But she had a massive heart attack on an airplane. 
um, you know, for, what was it, four days prior? <coughs> and they kept saying that she was in stable condition. Correct. And now you've got a take on this. What is your take, Mike? Just, I don't have much to say about it. Look, look, we were talking about it, and I know and now, you had a whole lot of stuff to say I know, about I'll it. I have my look. <coughs> Carrie Fisher, for me, it feels sad because look, I was a kid when when I when all the Star Wars came out, and she's Princess Leia. I mean, dude, she's always she has always been. Every time I've seen her in something, that's the first thing. That's Princess Leia. You see her in in the Burbs. Hey, that's Princess Leia. You see her in uh, Sibling Rivalry, or something else where she pops in you know, when she does the cameo in uh in screen part three hey that's princess fucking leia man and i i was happy for her look I, i'm not a big fan of druggies i i hate drug addicts i hate drug abusers i hate what they do to their lives and what they do to the people around them lives but but my exception to it is this someone that has bettered themselves and come come out of that a better stronger person I have a lot of respect for because okay. they were able to get past it. Um, and you can tell that it, it had taken a toll on her throughout the years. Um, but I, but I, I, when she, when I found out that she was going to be in this new trilogy of, uh, of, you know, star Wars films, I felt happy for her because it, it felt like, uh, you know, like a, <coughs> uh, a comeback kind of thing, you know? Right. Which it, I disagree with. Yeah, I know. I know. And you'll get into that in a moment, but, because I never see her in anything, even though she's been doing things behind the scenes for a very long time that most people don't know about. Everyone just keeps thinking of Princess Leia, Princess Leia, Princess Leia. But there's more to Carrie Fisher than just that. Yeah, she's a writer. Yeah. She wrote two of the biggest fucking best-selling novels of the 80s. Yeah. And which turned into great movies, Terms of Endearment. Yeah. And Postcards from the Edge. So, but I, I still see this as a comeback story for her, for for someone that had such a... But it's not a comeback story. Well, let me... Never, let me, she was never... You, look, she was never okay. gone long enough for it to be a comeback. You're going to have your whole thing in just a moment. <coughs> for me, it felt like a comeback story because she went through all this drug-related stuff, hardship, finding out she's bipolar, those issues... Her not being in any kind of a spotlight, in you know, in anything for such a long time, and then the fact that she's showing up in these new Star Wars movies, you get to see her again playing her iconic role in a different way. If you notice, she's not this sex symbol anymore. She's instead she was like a this matriarch kind of figure in, in really? Force Awakens, right? What she's fucking sixty plus years old, exactly, and that's. What do you what, what the fuck are you doing? Let me finish. <laughs> so anyway, I'm, I'm pointing out your 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 the flaws and your whatever. Keep going. So it was cool to see her, you know, not knowing that she was going to die. Okay, it was cool to see that she was back in her iconic role. Okay, and in a way, in a different light. It wasn't there just for whatever. I, I, fuck, I ain't gonna go into that, but. I was happy that to see that that she had you know gotten back into something. So you know it's at the moment it's a sad thing because we're all fans, man. We're all fans of you know anyone that grew up watching Star Wars. We love we love all everyone related to it. <coughs> you know if when Harrison Ford dies, it's gonna suck. When Mark Hamill dies, it's gonna suck. You know, but Carrie Fisher made it first. So there it is. Oh, you never know the impact of somebody until a 10-year-old 
mm-hmm. millennial goes, this is really devastating. Yeah. That's how big of an impact Carrie Fisher has. Caitlin said that to me today. Yeah. And she's 18? Yeah. Yeah. She was born in 1998. Yeah. Until a millennial tells you, this sucks. Now, my nephew, he said, this really sucks. I'm I'm really upset about this because she died. That's impact. Yeah. She said- my, That my- means- that means it's not a comeback. She's always been there. And just because of three fucking films, well, four films if you really want to count it, but three films. She was also in Blues Brothers. She was in Bur- <laughs> The Burbs. She was in a bunch of other movies. <laughs> but the impact that you'll never see is the fact that she wrote a ton of movies in the 90s. She was in, of course, she was in Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, but really, I just wish this shit would just work properly. Oh, the set wouldn't cram it with all these goddamn pop-ups and shit. <laughs> yeah, because that's the problem I'm having. Oh, yeah, she played the therapist on Awesome Powers, which I totally forgot about. She was in Drop Dead Fred. She wrote, she rewrote or script doctored Hook, Lethal Weapon 3, some of the Star Wars prequels. Let's see. Sister Act, Last Action Hero, The Wedding Singer, Coyote Ugly, Scream 3, how the fuck is it that caterers now get mentioned in, in credits for films, but yet people that do touch up on there don't always get mentioned? Because they're not considered. That's not how it works. But you made a contribution to the film. It doesn't matter. You don't get credit. You're, you get paid. You don't get credit. But you're hearing me, though, right? No. Caterers. Yeah, but that's because a catering company has to be in the list. Script doctors don't. You are using the catering company for services that they generally, in some cases, provide for free. You do understand what I'm saying, though, right? No. If you contribute to the overall movie itself, you should be in the credits. No. you're Not not everybody's in the credits. A good portion of people are in the credits. That, but we're, not, we're not talking about that. I'm trying to find out which fucking movies that she, she worked on. So, anyways... <clears throat> When you have such an impact that Carrie Fisher has, now I, I'm not I'm not in I'm not a big guy into death or celebrity bullshit and hoopla, but <coughs> I found this interesting because the very first thing that I saw today about Carrie Fisher's death was, fortunately, her scenes on episode eight were already finished. <laughs> that was the big news. Yeah. Fortunately, the scenes were finished. Like, who gives a fuck? She. <coughs> She had a massive heart attack on an airplane, and she was dead for 10 minutes, which means she died. She she wasn't coming back from that. The chances of your survival from CPR, the chances of you being revived from CPR are about 7%. She was revived with CPR, which I, I find highly doubtful. She had a massive heart attack and died on that airplane from something that happened. Somebody said that she was overwhelmingly stressed with shit, and she had a fucking heart attack. Now, generally, heart attacks don't just appear, generally, especially massive ones. You have the conditions that keep happening to you for a period of time. Yeah. So if you don't go to the hospital, that's your fault, and that's probably what happened. And I'm not trying to be fucking cold about this or whatever, but <coughs> I'm trying to point out the flaws in the story. So she, they landed the plane. And she was in critical condition, and they upgraded her to stable condition. But if you read the initial, the initial report, which is 
Gary Fisher had a massive heart attack, and it took 10 minutes for them to revive her. She was dead for 10 minutes, which means that even if she had survived, her brain would have been just gone. Quality of life would have been nothing. Yeah. So, thankfully, I mean, it's it's unfortunate to say this, but thankfully she didn't survive that. Now, if she had a heart attack and was able to stay alive and didn't stop breathing, and then she died, then that's a bummer. But we don't have to deal with a vegetable Carrie Fisher. Yeah. <laughs> now, am I upset about this? No. It's a celebrity. I mean, I grew up with her, blah, 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 but I didn't know her. Uh, yeah, I got this a little- This is coming from a major Star Wars fan. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like I watched like some clips from CNN. I got a little emotional about it. It happens, but- Does it remind you of your younger days? Yeah, well, kind of. I just, I don't get into the celebrity things. It's weird to say that because I'm a movie reviewer, but I don't, let me, let me put it this way. I don't care about celebrities' lives. I'm not a TMZ guy. I'm, we're, we are not TMZ no. guys. No. We are not Hollywood insiders or anything else like that. We, I, let celebrities live their lives. I don't care about who's getting divorced or who's fucking who or whatever. You know, and hearing a report about Carrie Fisher dying or, you know, whoever else died today, which there was a couple of other people that died as well, is sad because we won't be seeing her anymore in any movies or listening to her. She was funny as fuck. Yeah. God damn. Anytime. I mean, just pull up any YouTube, like listen to her during the Disney stuff uh-huh. when she's when she's interviewing people or being interviewed. God damn. She is quick witted. She was the relevant. <coughs> She was the relevant Charlie Sheen. No. No. Yes. No. No, she wasn't. Not even fucking close. She makes Charlie Sheen look like a fucking retard. That's what I'm saying. The relevant Charlie Sheen. She, it's very hard to put her in any context. (coughs) There have been no deaths in 2017 yet. That's weird. And yet they have it. (coughs) Uh, the guy that I'm looking for here is, well, we uh, Bruce DeHaven of the Buffalo Bills, but um, they don't even have this guy listed. Author. Who is the author that died today? It's just like, uh, oh, here it is. Uh, Watership Down, Richard Adams. He nice. died at 96. 96 years old. So, um, which, I mean, yeah, he was 96, so it's it's too soon. But for... For um, Carrie Fisher, I mean, it was a matter of time. Yeah. People don't understand that she was a fucking massive drug addict. Yeah. In the 80s. Like, she did all the drugs that Keith Richards didn't do. Okay? Mm-hmm. That, that's that's how many how much she did. So whatever, whatever else was left over from Keith Drugs binge, she did the rest of it. <laughs> and that tells you... That tells you right there what kind of life she led. She she had no regrets. She had no fear. She she lived her life the way most people want to live their life. Yeah. Like if you listen to her interview, like what, she came on to an interview and and someone said, "Oh, so you know you play Princess Leia in the Star Wars movies and and uh, what what has that done for you?" And her her response was, "Well, I've been able to get nicer furniture." <laughs> <laughs> not anything else, you know, because you know, she's going to be always associated with Princess Leia. Yeah. And a lot of people can't ha- handle that. <laughs> like Leonard Nimoy couldn't ha- handle the fact that 
he was Spock. Yeah. You know? Literally. Didn't he have his first book was called I Am Not Spock? Yeah. And then he finally came to terms with it, and then he had another book called I Am Spock. Yeah. And same with same with Mark Hamill. It, it took a long time for him to deal with the fact that he's Luke Skywalker. Yeah. And that ruined his career. Well, it didn't ruin it, but it didn't help him. Appearance-wise. <laughs> yeah, you know. And he had to come to terms with that, but he was also able to do voiceovers and whatnot. And let's face it, he is the Joker as well. Yeah. But Harrison Ford was able to overcome that. And he got lucky because he was hired instead of Tom Selleck to play Indiana Jones. Tom Selleck. Now, if Mark Hamill had gotten that opportunity to play, you know, in another movie, I honestly, I think that he would have had a stellar career as well because he's a great actor. But. Carrie Fisher went on to write movies and write novels and <laughs> talk about and go on a talk show circuit and whatever else. You know, she gave birth. Her mom, Debbie Reynolds, her dad, Eddie Fisher. <coughs> I think she had a bunch of half-sisters, too. I have to look up her family. But the one thing that I like when I'm Googling shit is the fact that it always comes up with like if you if you Google anybody though it's their name plus net worth. Yeah. So oh, that means a lot of people look that up. Yeah, that's fucking stupid. Um, she did do a family tree, by the way, uh, in one of her uh, on on stage things. Yeah. And uh, I have to tell you, it um, it is one of the most interesting, funny pieces of live comedy I have seen in a long, long time where she details her family tree. I wish I could find... Uh, look, I just want Carrie Fisher family tree. Here it is. <laughs> uh, her dad is Eddie Fisher. Um, her mom is Debbie Reynolds. Uh, her, like, stepmom or, you know, whatever was Liz Taylor yeah, for a bit. Yeah, st stepmom. <laughs> um... Billy Lord, Carrie Fisher's daughter, is dating or was dating Elizabeth Taylor's grandson, who could possibly be related. <laughs> Connie Stevens is related by marriage. Mary Re McDonald, who married Reynolds' ex-husband, Harry Carl, which is her stepdad, also had affairs with Fisher and Liz's ex-husband, Michael <laughs> Wildy. God damn, these are, it's just a fucked up. Fisher also married a Chinese woman who died in 2001, according to Kerry, had so much plastic surgery, now looks Chinese himself. Uh, that's Eddie Fisher. Um, I really wish that I could have... Yeah, the, there's Eddie Fisher right there. <laughs> <laughs> Others who have become Chinese over the years. Joan Rivers, Jessica Lange. Wow, look at Jerry Lewis. <laughs> uh, Mary Tyler Less. <laughs> there's just not... I'm going to have to find the link for... Uh, this, that makes no sense to me. I'm going to have to find the link for, um, oh, here it is, One Night Wishful Drinking. Let's <laughs> hopefully that they have, she's walking around in a bathrobe and night clothes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, anyways, Carrie Fisher had a huge impact. <laughs> if you watch any of her stage shows or anything else like that that she's been putting on, she's quick-witted, yeah. funny as hell, and unforgiving. Yeah. Her impact on everyone in the last 40 years is amazing. Not just because she was Princess Leia, but because pretty much every movie that you know of from the 1990s till today, she had a hand in writing. 
She had a hand in writing dialogue for Empire Strikes Back. And there's a page from the script. Where she's circling shit going, what the fuck is this? And No, she rewrote it because it, w- it flowed much better. So if you watch the scene in Empire Strikes Back where they're sitting, they're, they're sitting in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon waiting for the Imperials to dump their garbage before they go to hyperspace. Yeah. She, they have a picture of her having rewritten that entire thing, you know, and showing exactly her lines versus Harrison's lines and how it came to be and how what the original structure was like because some of it was just awful. Like, if you read the Empire Strikes Back novel, that entire scene is written in the script word for word, and it's fucking awful. Yeah. And the way that it's done in the movie from when Carrie rewrote it makes it flow much better, you know, than we float away with the rest of the garbage, right? Yeah. You know, and and their banter back and forth was pretty much dictated by Carrie Fisher and how everything was done from there. Yeah, I know. I read, I read an so excerpt good. that she circled and she said she made a comment next to it that was like, this isn't working. This isn't this. Why would they say this? Okay. Yeah. You know, who knows? I read the excerpt and it was bland dialogue. It was like, what the fuck? Is, this is a waste of time. Right. Shit. So that in and of itself tells you how important she was just just behind the scenes in movies. Now, whether or not you liked Hook or anything else like that doesn't matter. You can guarantee that the stuff that she put into the script, the 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 good stuff that made it into the movie, that that is Carrie Fisher. Yeah. And that's that's amazing. You know, for her to be able to now they had already planned on bringing all these people back for <laughs> Seven, eight, and nine. That was Lucas's plan, anyways, for yeah. the last three movies. But Lucas sold to Disney. The rest is history. Yeah. But they still went with part of that vision. Whether or not you believe the stories about them dumping Lucas's vision or whatever else, some of it's true, some of it isn't. Because he had a he had a role. He he had a hand in in helping to shape Rogue One, whether you believe it or not. And as it continues. It's unfortunate we won't be able to see her in episode nine, but maybe they will Grand Moff Tarkin her and go from there. What if what if they had this plan where Han Solo dies in the first one, Carrie Fisher or Princess Leia dies in the second one, and then Luke Skywalker in the third one? Okay. So then it's completely done. And then you then it definitely goes on the torch has been handed over. Well, why would they kill off Princess Leia? I don't know. I mean, I can understand Luke, but why Princess Leia? She still leads the rebellion. Well, so they need somebody. There's plenty of people that can take over. Who? Who? I don't know. That's what the that, point. See, of, then, that's what the point of films are. Exactly to, to develop characters. But you, there's no reason to kill her off because you don't even know in part eight how much time has gone by or anything. You don't need to kill her off. There's no real reason to kill her off, real, because she's just behind the scenes. She may have been, Princess Leia may be perceived as dead as we know in the movies. We don't know that. And that's why she she decided to leave the Senate and become part of the resistance. But that's, that's, you may be right, who knows. But there's no real reason to kill her off because it seems that no one thinks that she's alive anyways. So, as it is, um, it's unfortunate she's gone. However, if you get a chance, watch Wishful Drinking. It's hilarious and it's poignant and it's very sobering. 
if you want to call it that. <laughs> That's all I got. All right. So uh, another uh, another person from our past that we uh, will definitely miss in the future. So. All right, uh, that's all we have for this week's uh, Flicks of the Week, uh, ending on that downer. <laughs> but you know what? Is it really a downer when that person actually contributed so much? Yeah. I mean, that that's that's a legacy, right? Yeah. So there you go. You know what? When I um when I posted that picture of her flipping off today on uh, on Facebook, I was trying to find a picture. Remember that scene where um, in Postcards from the Edge when Meryl Streep is hanging from the ledge and there's this part where she flips her hands up and you can tell that she's not really hanging from the ledge. She just does this, you know, oh, whatever kind no. of thing. Well, you missed out on it because it's a very funny moment. Anyway, I was hoping that they had done a Carrie Fisher doing the same exact thing. I was going to use that picture, but they, they didn't have it. So I, I found the the middle finger thing. It was, it was great because that kind of shows her attitude. Like, fuck you, you know. Awesome. So anyway. All right. Anyway, you're uh, you're focusing on other shit right now. Anyway, so flicks of the week. Joe Spiegel, Mike Sutherland, Cinescape. There we go. <laughs> good show, jolly good show, jolly good show indeed. Hakuna Matata, bitches. Well, that's the end of the show. Thank you for listening, and please remember. Share the podcast. Hey, hey, hey. What is it, Joe? Yeah. You see that little button over there? Yeah? Yes. All you what do button? The little share button. Which button is that? It says share. Sometimes it's a little arrow that goes in a circle. Regardless, it's there. Or more. So share. Share. Share that podcast. Click that shit. <laughs> it's simple. Please. We put We do put some work into this. Not a lot. Not a lot. Not as much as we should, but still, all you have to do is click the share button. Yeah. Click anything that says share. Like on our movie reviews, there's a Facebook share and a Google Plus. Pick one. We prefer Facebook, but, you know. Spread the love. Help us grow. Spread the love, and we will spread our legs open for you. No, we won't. I take showers. Well, what is that one? Show the balls? <laughs> open your balls. Open your balls. <laughs> Share, uh, yeah, share, share the, share the show. Share the hell out of it. <laughs> share. Give her some love. I sound like little Nicky. <laughs> Have a good night. Share. This is the end. This is the end. Finito! The end, I tell you! We're all going to nibble the dust! Or go fuck yourself.